We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the official podcast of BoomTownHoops.com. We are live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. If you're listening to this as the podcast version, hey, we appreciate the crap out of you. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob. We've got almost a full team here tonight. We've got Justin, Kamiar, and Taylor. And to help us break down the Thunder versus Cleveland Cavaliers game that has just finalized, uh, what, about an hour ago, a 117-101 Thunder win, we have very special guest. He is co-host of the <laughs> official Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, the Chase Official. Down Blue Wire family member, Justin Rowan. Justin, how's it going, man? I'm doing really well. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I wish that you guys were in less of a good mood. I, I wish that we were coming <laughs> off uh, a little bit of a different game, but you know what? I'm still happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we I also wish we were you. coming off a different game. I yeah, also fair. wish that. We want Cade. You guys don't get Cade. You have yeah. Sexton and I'm Garland. I'm a guy myself. <laughs> fair, fair. But Justin, we, we appreciate the crap out of you coming on here, man. First off, we got to lead off with Probably the coolest thing ever. How does it feel to Agreed. officially be the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers? 
It is absolutely surreal um, to have something that you've started uh, from scratch, basically. Um, have have your favorite team reach out and say, we want this to be a part of what we're already doing is just absolutely a surreal feeling. Huge honor. Massive thanks to everyone at Blue Wire as well for um, being so supportive with the transition. Uh, big shout out to Kevin Jones. Uh, just an absolute KJ. legend, a beauty of an individual. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting. Now it's uh, just the pressure of actually producing content. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, getting well, a real You guys are pretty good at that, so I think you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That is, uh, that is awesome. We are super, also, super excited okay, for you guys. Just, Complete side note, when I was reading through, um, was it the Forbes? Or somebody did a uh, article over you guys, which is really Washington cool. Post. Yeah, Washington Post. Washington Post. No, no big deal. Oh, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, shrug. Um, I didn't realize that you and Carter have never met before in person. It, That's it's wild. insane. That's um, so wild. The last time I was in Cleveland, I, I thought that we had a pretty good chance, uh, but he was working as a producer uh, for BlizzCon. So he had flown back from the weekend and his wife was basically eight and a half months pregnant. So oh. after a weekend <laughs> away, uh, the drive up to Cleveland was a bit of a tough sell for him. So uh, yeah. ho hopefully when borders open up and the world's a little more normal, we can uh, finally cross that off the old bucket list. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. That's awesome though, man. We are super happy for you super guys cool. and congratulations again. If you guys, those of you watching the stream or listening to the podcast, if you haven't checked down the chase down yet, they do incredible, incredible work. Uh, so make sure you go download them wherever you get your podcast from, check them out. Justin, let's dive into this thunder Cleveland game, two teams that, uh, Cleveland started the year off actually pretty hot. You know, I, the, on top of the world, when Colin Sexton, just lights the crap out of the Brooklyn Nets earlier this mm -hmm. season. That was so much fun. <laughs> Since then, a little bit of a downhill trend. This was, what, the 10th loss in a row? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Either that or the 11th. I, I've lost track. The, the league <laughs> added. The Cavs had already played one of the toughest schedules in the league. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it was top two or three. And then when the game against the Spurs got postponed, they just slapped in another game against the Nuggets. So it, it's it's <laughs> hurt my ability to keep track of how many losses it's been. Definitely. <laughs> um, but both these teams, you know, vying for the uh, at least uh, a, a chance at a number one overall pick. The Thunder come into Cleveland tonight and uh, steal a win, 117 to 101. Um, really after the first quarter, I feel like the thunder really kind of took control of this game and never looked back. It got a little interesting down the stretch of the fourth when Cleveland got it down to, I think as low as about tw 12 or 13, mm -hmm. somewhere around there before the thunder pushed it back open. And just looking through the box score here, Jarrett Allen is the one that we've already been talking about sticks out to me a lot. 11 of 11 from the field, 17 rebounds, 26 points on the night. Just tell us a little bit about his performance so far in Cleveland and how that's kind of opened the door for, um, you, you know, some other pieces on this team to, to be on the trade block now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, getting Jared Allen for what they got him was a shock, like for the Cavs to get in on that deal. Um, people forget, but part of the reason it was made possible was the Cavs already owned a protected pick from the Bucks, but they got into the Drew Holiday trade and got that pick unprotected. Then all of a sudden that pick was flipped for Jared Allen. Um, getting him in the mix is just such a game changer from a long-term perspective. Um, unfortunately, it has actually resulted in not a strong play recently, just because with Jared Allen in the mix, you lose the focus and attention of Andre Drummond, who was a big part of that early season success. 
Um, also happened to come at a tough time where, as I mentioned, the schedule has been very, very difficult for them. Plus, they've lost their most impactful player with Larry Nance. Um, so it's 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 a difficult time. Uh, but when you look at it uh, from a box score perspective, um, the young core of Garland, Sexton, Allen, and even Okoro uh, were strong tonight. It's just the, the fact that basically everyone else uh, is not long-term pieces uh basically no one over the age of 23 it just it's not the best time if you're looking at immediate results no definitely and like like you mentioned there's a ton a ton of youth on this team uh moving forward and maybe not you know making a playoff push or anything like that this year but you have to feel good about where Cleveland is as far as, you know, bringing in, I, it blew my mind tonight. I forgot Jaron Allen, 22 years old. Crazy. Like that's insanely young. Like, I didn't, the only like good product for- to ever come out of the university of Texas. The only good product. <laughs> That'd be only hey, one. Hey, Tristan <laughs> Thompson. Give Tristan well, yeah. Thompson a little <laughs> bit of yeah, love. Right. I mean, you, you guys so are Obama, incentivized he'll get to, trade to give, OKC. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys are incentivized to give love to Canadians uh, with Tristan's name. We're, we're trying to figure out how to monetize it, man. Like, it's, it's just a lot. <laughs> we need some I, ideas for some I do have. I do have a question, though, because <laughs> Cav, Cavs fans like, have forever not really had much look forward to. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, especially since, like, you know, 2000, you know, Braun was there and all that stuff, but, you know, usually not so much. Um, so tanking is a familiar thing for that fan base, whereas Oklahoma City... A lot of the fans that watched their games, they were spoiled because you had like one bad season in OKC because Seattle did all the tanking for you. And so OKC is like winding down into a tank or maybe not really ever really do a real tank. Mm -hmm. Um, What is like the vibe of the fan base on their expectations for Cleveland um, on like with teams like this? Yeah, so I think this season isn't necessarily a tanking season. Like, I, I think if you guys are looking at the tankathon odds, um, I, I think the, the second half of the schedule, as it lightens up, they are going to try to get develop uh, those kind of reps in, those developmental uh, reps, and try to win as many games as possible. But the reality is, even with veterans in place, when your decision makers, the guys that are initiating your offense are also young, there's such a learning curve with that. You're not going to win a lot of games. And with the flattened lottery odds, I, it, you're kind of incentivized to not go all out in the tank. Because even if you have the worst record in the league, you're still looking at a 48% chance of picking fifth, right? So it... And I I think OKC has an understanding of this, too. Like, when I look at them, obviously, I'm not as familiar as you guys, but even someone like Al Horford, just bringing that veteran leadership, someone that can pull guys aside and point out things, um, and really trying to be competitive in as many games as possible gives you that film, gives you that tape where you can actually have constructive criticism. Otherwise, it's just, well, yeah, I left my guy open, but we were down 20. I'm not trying, right? Like, right. so I, I do think that that's kind of the mentality going in the season. Once Nance is back, uh, whatever the return for Drummond's going to be, I'm sure they're going to make a couple other tweaks. They're going to try to go out there and win games. But reality is, I mean, you, you look at this slide and, and the learning curve that comes with featuring young players. Um, they're probably still going to be kind of in the top six or seven for lotto odds. Yep. I to think that's point, just, something. Oh, sorry. I think that's something that's interesting is, you know, I think I think a lot of times you hear the word tanking and you immediately think burn it all, 
to the ground and be the worst team in the NBA. But I think I, like you mentioned, the flattened lottery odds have made it a little bit more nuanced to where Mm -hmm. there's almost like degrees of tanking. And I think you can still be looking to develop guys. You can still be looking to win some games. You can still be looking to add some quality pieces and also still be gunning for a very high draft pick. And I think Oklahoma city and Cleveland kind of fit the bill with that description. Both teams do. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, I absolutely agree. And just look at the the final eight uh, for the teams in the playoffs last year. Not a lot of those teams have high draft picks, right? Like, I think the other thing that factors into team building discussions right now is there's more talent coming into the league than ever before. Like, sure. you can get guys later in the lottery that are starting caliber and maybe potential all-stars, but it, it comes down to player development, right? Like, I, I think it, it's just, it requires more work. Denver, Utah, Miami, Toronto, all of these teams have not picked high, but they have good cores. And when you're looking at a team like OKC, I I think you guys are going to be in a position to draft high kind of organically here. Like, I I think your pick's going to be high. But at the same time, when you're focusing on developing all of the talent that you currently have on your roster, it puts you in a better position to consolidate that talent, right? Whether it be a trade up in the draft, whether it be, okay, we've kind of started to hit a bit of a ceiling a, a couple of years from now. Well, we have all these different guys that could be starting on another team. Let's consolidate it like Toronto did going out to get Kawhi Leonard, right? Uh, I, I think that there's, with the new lottery odds, with the amount of talent coming into the league, with the amount of talent that's currently in the league, I think there's a lot of different ways to approach team building. So you can't put all of your eggs into one basket. True. One thing I, that... I think- Sorry. Go ahead, Justin. Sorry. I, no, go I was going to say one thing that I think is interesting is when you're looking at the, you mentioned, you know, the, the pieces that you have, the talent that you have, Mark Dagnall, Oklahoma city's coach, he said it tonight and he said it a number of times recently where he walks off the court at the end of the game. And he thinks that Shea Gilgis Alexander was the best player on the floor for either team. So I'm curious <laughs> from a, from a Cavs perspective, a team that has been acquiring young assets like Darius Garland, like Colin Sexton, do you agree with that statement? Was Shea Gilgis Alexander the best player on the floor tonight? Or is there? I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, obviously, Jared Allen was fantastic. Like, just a phenomenal Absolutely. game. <laughs> Did not miss a single shot. It, <laughs> it's tough to be better than that. Um, but at the same time, you you look at Shea, and he's so unique because he's so big for that position. He's got so much composure. He takes the right shots. Uh, you can tell that he benefited from playing with a lot of veterans so from playing in LA from having Chris Paul last year like there is a maturity to his game um I was a massive fan of him I I was upset that the Cavs didn't take him I kind of like I understand it to some extent Colin Sexton has won me over like I I think Colin Sexton you you look at what he's doing right now it's very similar to what Donovan Mitchell has done like I I think that there's a real comparison as two six one guys and and actually when you look at what cleveland's building it's very similar to utah where you, you got those two kind of shorter guards you got jared allen playing his um version of rudy gobert and and you kind of it, it's obviously not that. absolutely it's not apples to apples but there, there's there's a comparison in place but you look at the, the maturity that shea already has and his ability to impact the game on both ends of the floor um i i'd certainly say at least in this matchup he, he was certainly the the best player on the floor tonight yeah, he had a very impressive game tonight, especially coming off of Friday night where he really underperformed in Milwaukee. Shea has been incredibly efficient this season, shooting over 50% from the field, high 30s from three. 
you know, picking and choosing his spots. And and Friday against Milwaukee, he really struggled. He shot 25% from the field. And I felt like he came out tonight, picked his spots early, but then in that third quarter, just really, it almost looked like he he also knew that he was the best player on the floor tonight and just kind of went and, and got whatever he wanted, which was really impressive. But Jake, just it's about... about- both you and Justin's point, just really quick before we move on from Shay. Um, one thing that Justin, um, uh, the chase down Justin, not our Justin mentioned, was talking about <laughs> trying to decipher between the two, was talking about Shea learning from veterans and that season he spent with CP3. Uh, something you just mentioned, Jacob, something that we talked about so much, so constantly over the last season when we had Chris Paul, was how he kind of broke down the game. He almost analyzed the game for the first two quarters, sometimes three quarters, and that's why he was so great in the clutch because he was able to get to his spots and mm-hmm. was able to break down what the uh, the defense was giving him and just took complete advantage of that. That is kind of what Shea did tonight. Um, he, he definitely analyzed the defense for those first two quarters. Now, he didn't wait until the fourth quarter. <laughs> he really started to go to work in the third, and the fourth quarter uh, was a little slower, not that he played poorly or anything. But that very much uh, reminded me of Chris Paul, how he kind of took the game in and then attacked when he knew exactly what the defense was giving him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like we see a lot of shades of Chris and Shea this year. Uh, for sure. Justin, I want to ask you, so we're talking about Cleveland and their young backcourt and the promise mm-hmm. that they have. Uh, a little bit mirrored with the Thunder. We we just talked about SGA, but tell us, I, I always love to ask guests about this guy because I think he's just universally beloved across the league. Will you just say some nice things about Dort so I can sit back and listen to you say <laughs> nice things about Dort? Canadian. Bill uh, Canadian. Yeah, again, Canadian, <laughs> so I'm I'm contractually obligated to uh to give him support. <laughs> you, you know what? It's it's another thing. Like as I said, the amount of talent that's coming into the league, there's guys even undrafted um that are, come in and make such a big impact. The, the work that Lou Dort has put into his game, you can tell um week to week, month to month, every time I, I tune in, if there's been a break between when I've watched the Thunder play, um, he's better. Like he's consistently getting better. He's getting better within the margins. And uh, I don't think like there's an all-star potential or anything there, but like he, he's a hell of a rotation player. Like he's really a guy that can make a big impact and do it in a bunch of different ways. Um, I still got a little frustrated to see him hit a three. I know he can hit threes <laughs> now, um, but it's it hurts a little extra uh, when a guy that's primarily in there to do those little things, to get that hustle, to get down defense, which... Man, his defense is about as good as it gets. I would love to just send a Coro tape of Lou Dort and try to get him to uh, replicate. We what love Coro here. We were high on him coming into the draft. <laughs> oh yeah, I, speaking I am of too, poor guy. Speak- but he, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, speaking of a Coro, you know, he tonight had the the task for for a long stretch of the game of guarding Shea, which mm-hmm. when Shea just kind of gets in one of those those modes, it's. You know, it's it's hard for anyone to really check him. But looking at his stat line tonight, and uh, admittedly, I haven't watched a lot of Cleveland basketball this year. Okoro took 12 shots, 11 of them from behind the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how his season has gone this so far this year, that just a three and D He's been a lot of mid-range, Not right? at all. He has not been taking... Honestly, none of them have been taking threes, um, especially over this losing streak. The, the, the young guys were not taking a lot of threes. Darius Garland, pass first player. Uh, Colin Sexton prefers to slash. Okoro, bit of an unknown on offense and didn't have the confidence shooting threes. Um, but after this layoff, you can tell that's a point of emphasis where J.B. Bickerstaff was getting those guys saying, hey, just start pulling, like take threes. 
Um, Okoro was three of six the previous game. And as you mentioned, took a ton of them tonight. Um, I, I think that's part of the evolution because especially looking at who's available on the roster right now, when those three guys aren't taking threes, okay, you have Jared Allen, who's not going to take threes. You got Jetty Osman, who might be willing to pull, but it, it's it, you haven't had the floor spacing that you were accustomed to coming into the season, where they were anticipating Kevin Love being a big part of the, the lineup uh, at the power forward spot. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. was shooting well from three and was a willing uh, three-point shooter, so that worked out. Once Nance busted up his shooting hand, um, that spacing fell apart. And the, the Cavs tried to do a bunch of different things. They tried playing Andre Drummond and Jared Allen together against some bigger lineups. That obviously didn't help the spacing. So I, I think what you saw tonight with Okoro taking that many threes is part of that evolution where it's it's almost like what Brooklyn had done under Kenny Atkinson where they said, even if you're not fully comfortable taking those shots, even if you can't do it at a high level, have the right shot profile. Go out there and take the the, the proper shots, and eventually you're going to get more comfortable with them because that's what you're going to need to do in the NBA. I think it's so, it's interesting tonight that Cleveland shoots 35 threes, only makes eight, whereas mm-hmm. the Thunder, they make 13 of 28 overall. The trio of SGA, Mike Muscala, and Teo Maladone hit nine. So the, those three guys, like you said, As expected. It, right? it's, not, it's not exactly, it doesn't seem like a natural fit. Yeah. I, I mean, and that was kind of the tale of the game. Like I, I mentioned the inexperience playing with no power forwards, playing with no backup point guard as uh, Della Vadova has had a concussion since preseason and then just had his appendix removed. Uh, after. Yeah. He, yeah. Just the, the absolute worst luck. Um, but like that, it's kind of the story of the game. Like the Cavs didn't hit their threes. And the other part was OKC's bench. Like OKC's bench yeah. was fantastic. And, and they clearly outplayed Cleveland's uh, Cavs came into this season looking very deep at having depth, having guys that uh, once there were injuries, they could rotate those guys in. That's not there anymore. And when you have an entire position wiped out by injuries, um, it really does put you in a tough spot because you, you start Jetty Osman, who, yeah, he gives you a little bit of spacing, but he doesn't give you anything on defense. Um, as soon as Jared Allen's out of the game, JaVale McGee in a wing is not going to give you interior defense against Shea. It's not going to give you the, the kind of defense that you need. And I, I think that was a, a big part of why the Cavs weren't able to pull off uh, a win here. It's also a really good transition, and I want to get back to the Cavs. I have a question for you later, Justin, but the OKC bench totals uh, 42 points, which I haven't even looked this up or I haven't been on Twitter in a while. That could and would not surprise me if that was the highest uh, bench total for OKC this season. Uh, You have Hamadou Diallo with 15 points, 5 of 5 from the field. Uh, Again, just a completely different Hamadou Diallo than what we've seen in the previous season. Just has taken a huge leap. And then obviously you have Mike Muscala, um, three of nine from three point land, which seems like he was so much more than that. That's kind of crazy to think about five eleven from the field. Um, Muscala continues to, to hit those. And then you have guys like Kendrick Williams who just comes out and Isaiah Roby. They just come out and make things happen, whether they're scoring, rebounding, even uh, we, we keep saying this about these players, but uh, making things happen that don't show up on this on the stat sheet, just keeping plays alive, getting loose balls, diving for loose balls, playing solid defense. Um, that Thunder bench really came in and kind of gave this team, uh, this OKC team, a spark. Because Justin, um, especially in that first quarter, I thought the Cavs were playing some incredible defense early on, just super sound. And that starting lineup for OKC really couldn't, couldn't break that defense until that second unit came in. 
Yeah, like that's kind of how I felt as well, that the, the communication was good. I, I thought the zone wasn't as effective as it could have been. Um, it looked like the rotations as the game went on got a, a little bit later. Um, but yeah, Jared Allen was covering up for the fact that Jetty was out there. Um, like it, it was working Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Jetty, and Allen. But as soon as you start swapping in guys, whether it's Damian Dotson, whether it's uh, Dylan Windler, who still hasn't really kind of figured out how to contribute consistently on an NDA level yet. Had a, um, just, I mean, basically they need to play his rookie season yeah you, um, you, you not basically this is he, he didn't season. get to play three this is right right <laughs> he's a 24 year old rookie man like it's uh yep. it, it's it, and like, like it seemed the like market was perfect, wasn't there too you know like i, I really love that pick when they made that pick last year yeah and it's i i think he still might work out and then be Absolutely. a rotation player but like Really, as I said before, you need to have veterans. You need to have guys. Mm. You, you talk about the leadership on court that Chris Paul would provide Shea with. That was a big thing that Larry Nance was doing earlier this season. He was out there calling guys out, calling where people should be on defense, quarterbacking the defense. And Jared Allen, like he's a very good individual defensive player, but he doesn't have that experience yet with the Cavs. He's not re really at that position where he can quarterback the defense. Still young, as you mentioned, 22 years old, but um, having the presence of Nance to, to give them the guidance on both ends. Uh, he like He's the quarterback of the defense, and the quarterback of their offense coming into this year was supposed to be Kevin Love. So it's uh, it's not the easiest spot to be in. It's certainly like th there is valid context and excuses that you, you can make in this situation, but also don't blame Cavs fans for being frustrated because, right. I mean, you would have hoped that you could steal a game over this stretch, and they just haven't been able to. I love that you use the phrase quarterbacking um, because obviously, you know, we, we talked a lot about Chris Paul last season and uh, you know, we, we talked about Chris Paul's impact on some of these young guys, even moving forward this season, but Al Horford has kind of been that guy this season, mm -hmm. um, anchoring the defense and the offense. And the, that's the exact same phrase that coach Mark Dagnall used um, multiple times. Now, a couple different times when asked about Al, Al Horford's impact um, after a game or even pregame uh, availability, he, he uses the phrase quarterback um, and he really has been a huge presence for his OKC team. And we even see that, you know, when, when the Thunder sit Al Horford on a back-to-back -back, or if it's a little tweak of an injury, whatever it may be, just rest. Um, mm -hmm. We love Isaiah Roby very much, but we, when you put him in the starting lineup, it, it's very different um, how the Thunder play compared to when Al Horford is in there with that starting lineup. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, Justin, before we let you go, you've mentioned a lot about, you know, the need for those vets to kind of anchor the team to, to be in guys' ears, to get them in the right spot, not only on court, but off court as well, right? In the locker room, teaching these kids how to be professionals. It's clear Andre Drummond on the trade block, right? They're going to mm -hmm. try to move him and get something for him. Do you foresee the Cavs trying to get vets back? I mean, obviously they, they want assets, but maybe a vet or two back that can fill that role for these young guys on this team? I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Like you, you look at a potential Toronto package. Um, I, I think probably you'd be getting like Aaron Baines, Norm Powell, that kind of thing. It's I, I think that the vets that they're counting on, at, at least for this season, is Kevin Love, who's probably unlikely to be moved with his contract. Maybe a better luck uh, this summer when there's less term on the deal. Uh, and Nats would, would be the other big one. Um I, I don't think in a Drummond return you might get that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go out there and kind of make some tweaks, whether it would be shopping the, the value of Jetty Osman, whether it be um, shopping other guys outside of the core. Because right now I, I'd say the guys that, 
probably aren't on the market, or if they are, the value is pretty high. It's Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Nance, and Allen. Outside of that, I, I think that this team's going to be aggressive in exploring what opportunities are out there. Not making a trade to make a trade, um, but just kind of gauging the market. And um, I, I think Drummond, it, I'm not expecting a big return. He was moved for expiring contracts and a second round pick at the deadline last year. I wouldn't expect a whole lot more than that. Um, but I, I don't think that any piece that's coming back in a Drummond trade is really meaningful. It's more to open up the opportunity for Jared Allen and, and to kind of move on to the next chapter, the next chapter, pardon me. If, if there's not a deal made. For Andre Drummond, do you foresee a buyout happening? Because that's a that's a big contract to buy out. Yeah, um, I I think it's possible. I I, I foresee a trade, um, but if there isn't one that materializes by the deadline, I, I would imagine so. Um, I guess at that point, you'd probably be looking at like twelve million or, or whatever the case may be. Um, so it, it's it's certainly possible. I wouldn't rule it out, but it, it does seem like there's interest. I know uh, Cleveland.com last week. Uh, Chris Fedor had reported that there were about eight teams currently interested that, uh, th- that there are offers out there. So I think there's going to be enough of a market out there, even if the return isn't that significant, um, just because teams are going to want to give them a little bit of a test run. This was supposed to be such a great free agency class, and that has come off the market. Like th- those guys have all re-upped. So rather than investing in Andre Drummond this summer because you saved up all this cap space and you're ready to make a splash – Give up a second round pick now uh, to kind of test drive them and see if you want to make that long term commitment rather than just kind of (laughs) rolling the dice in the summer. Uh, So for that reason, I I do think that there is going to be at least enough of a market to have a trade materialized. Beautiful. I love it. Um, Guys, any more questions for Justin about this game tonight before we let him get out of here? When is Cleveland going to set Kevin Love free? (laughs) <laughs> I had to guess this summer if I had to guess this summer uh, again pointing to the fact that so many teams saved up cap space and now are not able to make that splash in free agency I think um, two years left of Kevin Love is a lot easier for those teams to, to swallow than one um, so I, I think that if there is a Kevin Love trade it's probably more likely to happen this summer than this season what do you think his worth is I don't know. Uh, apparently, <laughs> yeah. apparently, there, apparently, there was expiring contracts that was reported last year that there was expiring contracts available mm-hmm. for Love if they wanted to just get off the deal. Um, they, they were still looking to get some value in return. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I'm I'm not into the sources game. Like that yeah. that's not my thing. I, I don't do the whole sources. Right. Um, <laughs> I I'm not <laughs> equipped to do the vetting of that and whatnot. But um, I would imagine that they would still look to at least get some value in return for Love. But you never know. Yeah, right. fair. Justin, last question I have for you. Um, you and Carter, obviously, we mentioned this, the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers organization. So what can we expect for you guys moving forward? Is it going to be any different or is content going to be the same or is there some new stuff coming up of working with the Cavs? What's that going to look like? Yeah, that I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a bit of a feeling out process. Um, we throughout the kind of recruiting process here, we were told that we're going to still be allowed to be critical. We're still going to be allowed to kind of voice our opinion. Um, but I, I mean, it's I, I think it's going to be similar to what we we're already doing, where when we are being critical, it's not like we're making it personal. Like I'm not calling right. someone an idiot and saying they need to be fired <laughs> or this guy sucks. Like what what's going on there? Like that's that's not my that's not my lane when it comes to NBA analysis, right? Like if I can't provide fair and balanced, nuanced criticism, I'm not an effective communicator. 
Um, right. So th that's the way I approach things. I mean, my mentality as a fan is always to approach things from a problem solving standpoint. I don't dwell on, <laughs> I, I, I don't dwell on negative things. It's okay, well, what are the next steps from here? Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a natural fit with what we were already doing in the podcast. I'm hoping that it just kind of levels awesome. up what we're doing and, and getting to pick the brains of players or people in the front office, coaches, um, and really kind of give a more balanced uh, view of what's going on with the team. So that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to with the podcast. That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. I can't wait to listen. Yeah. It's gonna right, be so awesome. so, oh, go ahead. My Justin, last question is who okay. is your favorite Canadian NBA player that plays Ooh, currently? That's such a good currently. question. Man. I feel like you're setting the stage for him, making him say SGA. Who's your I'm favorite just, I need current Canadian who's a point guard and six foot six, Justin? <laughs> Does his one? name have three yes. initials? I mean, I, I do I do love to pander. So I, 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 Shea is certainly up there. Um, it certainly doesn't help that over the weekend here, I've been smacked by Jamal Murray putting up a Will Chamberlain line and now fair, Shea fair. dropping 30. Uh, it, it's been a very difficult weekend for me. Uh, because I, I because I'm on the podcast here, I want to say Shay. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> but, but between he and he and Murray for sure, it's pretty close. That's fair. There you go. Very, there very you go. Love it. <laughs> well, Justin, man, we appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, as you mentioned, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As the season goes on, hey, maybe Cleveland turns a corner after the All-Star break when the season or when that when their schedule lets up and you get to cover a team that's making a push, at least to try to get in that play in. If not, maybe you get to talk about, you know, Cunningham or or Kaminga or Evan oh, Mobley. Oh god, Kaminga's <laughs> so much Suggs. fun. Kaminga's <laughs> so much fun. So, all right. Well, to our listeners, if you guys don't check out the Chase Down Pod already, make sure you go do so. Give them a listen. Justin, man, thank you so much again for hopping on with us. Hey, thank you so much for having me anytime, guys. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Have a good have a good evening. See Super you. Yeah, congrats. All right. Have a good one. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. 
And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, gentlemen, as we move on to more of our Thunder-centric talk, um, and talking about Cleveland there, we talked about Jared Allen, 22-year-old center that they were able to go out on the market uh, and able to snag. Obviously, the the parameters set up really good for them with, you know, I, I guess just Brooklyn being desperate and, and needing to make the splash and, and Jared Allen having to be included in that trade. My question for you guys is, should Oklahoma City make a similar move and try to, to get in and get a young big man We were we were all the, uh, talking in our chat. <laughs> well, you were t- we're, we're doing a brief brief time check after that. We're, we're just going to let you take uh, that one. Good <laughs> so, good talk. Should, should the Thunder make a move? Uh, at yeah. some point so we're going to let Kamiro take this man. one because he's been talking about this for like two and a half, maybe three weeks now. Um, even today, something popped up on his workout yeah, playlist. Mm. There's so many signs. Coming yeah, I was. Here. You know, and for the longest time, honestly, I have hated the idea of Mo Bamba anywhere. Can we just sing us the song, (laughs) and (laughs) I was working and like, and I was, I've been, I've been warming up to the idea of like getting a young big in OKC, a defensive big, uh, growing with uh, the culture and and how hard OKC works because that's part of the culture is how hard the team works, especially a bunch of young guys. And so I've been warming up to the idea of OKC getting a, a young, legitimate big, not Isaiah Roby, who should be like a power forward at most. Um, and then I was working out, and Mo Bamba by Sheck West came on, and he said he got hose calling, and I was like, dang, it might be a sign. <laughs> uh, I, love I, I definitely uh, think that's a sign. Do you think the same thing happens to Sam Presti when he, you know, he's hopping on the Stairmaster? <laughs> I feel like man, comes on. I was going later after my workout, and then Mo Bamba just popped up on my playlist, and <laughs> yeah. two first rounders. <laughs> you know, oh, I would never trade for Collins because he wants too much. Oh, it's a Collins. Yeah, that's true. Too much money. Interesting one. Uh, it, Jacob it, it really likes on which Collins you're talking. Are you talking Wait. John Collins from Atlanta? Oh, that's, 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 what, that's, I, what I, that's what I assumed. He wants too see, much. And he, he, I, I, like, I like Zach Collins not from Portland. Oh, yeah. Zach Collins is fine. The, the worry fine. is the injury history there. I think this question really, really boils down to, are you guys more interested in the Thunder making a trade, maybe including some of those first-round picks to get a young big that's already in the league? Or would you rather them try to draft <clears throat> a big and mold them. Uh, for instance, in 2021, really the only center that's on any mock draft on any big board right now is Evan Mobley yes. until you get down to like pick 15, 16, 17, uh, when there's some, uh, I think he's a Turkish big, um, and his cancer 2.0 basically, but, but, but a kid playing over in Euro league, um, well, who's the next center on the board. Look at the thunders G league team. How many centers are on there with Poku? I mean, we want to just go ahead and talk Poku about size. Brown. 
Moses Brown. <laughs> you got Yurt, yeah. Yurt Seven. Pulling a Justin Patton in the G. Yurt Seven's been actually playing Yurt's really well. Right? It's been freaking me out. It's been freaking me out. Uh, would you? And I, and I know, of course, you guys. I don't know if you guys have or if you will probably do a, an amazing video of P- Poku's uh, G League performance today. Um, but do you ever think like Giannis gained fifty pounds? Right. Do you think that That's Poku would eventually? Like, I don't know if he would put on 50 pounds or if his body type would allow him to put on 50 pounds, but let's say he puts on another 30 pounds. Like, I think he definitely could, 100% could. Do you think he could play a lot of five? Or do you I think he think stays? So. Do you think he forever that stays like a, like a three slash four that can oh. move the ball yes. well? That's exactly right. And, and can space the floor and almost has guard like skills, moves off ball almost like a guard. Because, like, but the one thing that's been sticking out to me, Commander, to your point, his legs are like tree trunks. I mean, he is so damn yeah. strong from his waist up to his long ass arms. But that dude has it's tree like trunk when, legs. It's like when Squidward <laughs> ate the Krabby Patties and like everything on the bottom was just like, oh. but everything was, uh, but so like, but more I'm stuff, saying like, this. I was watching Avengers and he reminds me of Groot. Poku's I'm, Groot. I'm, I'm saying that because Poku <laughs> is like seven foot basically and he's not even done yeah. growing. Like he's not done growing. And Kaminga <laughs> is like, what? Six eight, six nine, yeah, six eight. Is like and so, like, like a seven two wingspan. Yeah. And so, so I'm thinking, like, geez, like, like Al Horford is actually like six eight, six nine. Um, you know, would OKC not yeah. draft a big where they had to just pick one up in free agency or maybe take a flyer on somebody here or there? And like, if let's say OKC does land somebody like an Evan Mobley who is a traditional center or a Jonathan Kaminga, would they play smaller? guys to I was wondering that super also. athletic oh, like right. like I can imagine uh, Kamingo on this team do you just play your best five or do you like start a traditional center I want you my guess I want you, is you guys start your best your, you start uh, a traditional center and then close the game with your best five so to your point Comer, you're playing small with Baisley and Kaminga Kaminga basically um playing like a four or five hybrid yeah. type of, and just playing well, small ball let me let me uh let me tickle your brain for a second um uh, <laughs> Like the COVID pick test. My nose? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a, like, let's say OKC somehow gets the first, like one gets two picks in the top three or four, because that's a you legit, my poss- attention. that's mm-hmm. a legit possibility, right? <laughs> yep. Right. Um, like this is not just like pipe dream. Like this could actually happen. If new Orleans can get like the ninth worst record, but get yeah. the first pick, right. it, it can happen. Um, OKC drafts, probably Cade Cunningham and Jonathan Kaminga. Would your starting lineup the following year look like Shea, Dort, Cunningham, Kaminga, and something? Oh, <laughs> good, yeah, yeah, it's probably. Something. That'd be fun. This is, yeah. I feel like we're we're so so know, if that a, happens, making an OKC Thunder erotica book right here right now. But <laughs> it's a good if, time if that happens. Subscribe like, to our then, hands for more. Then my then answer what? to this question is absolutely. You know, Oklahoma City's. G- g- if they land two top picks and they get Cade Cunningham and Jonathan Kaminga, then go package a bunch of picks and go get whatever center you want. And then you so, have like, you could, you could tailor make that pick to you be. You could play Cade Cunningham at small ball four. Cause he's six foot eight. Yeah. Yep. Right. Six, eight, Let him 20, 20, yeah. Point forward. So but like what, what I like, what is interesting yeah, about that <laughs> is I think that, OKC's asset collection over the next couple of years kind of dictates how this conversation on a center goes because right. centers, 
I, sinners have a longer adjustment period into the league. A guard can come in and tear it up point. year one. Sinners right. usually take a little bit. They don't they usually do. come in and light the league on fire. So if Oklahoma City gets a stellar backcourt and maybe a small forward to go with it, and it's looking like, okay, this is a good group of guys, then absolutely go get a center that's already in the league, and you've got mm. a great squad. If they don't, it's- and they draft a center, then I think that that might push your your timeline out a little bit because it's probably going to take a couple years for that guy to be NBA, you know, star ready. And let me ask you guys this then, because I, I know Jacob uh, is, I feel like Jacob's in one camp that's different than mine. Let's say OKC gets, you know, instead they get, they get picks four and nine. Are you guys trying to trade up to get, uh, higher picks, or are you trying to get more bites at the apple within the lottery? In this draft, I'm trading up 100. I'm, I'm convinced. Really? Um, it oh, depends yeah. how I, high I you can get. What if four and nine? Four and nine. I am trading up to get to one or two. I really am. In wow. this draft, exactly if you say, I, I don't really think would. in this draft you can trade to get number one. I, I'm almost yeah. convinced. And by that's this the point. Thing. If Detroit gets pick number one, the Thunder could call them and say, "Hey, we'll give you." 10 future firsts, they're going to say no, right? Yep. Because you you are tr- with those 10 future firsts, You're you are trying Kay to Cunningham. get Cade Cunningham. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. right. Right. What what if the picks are like four and 10? Mm. I, mean, I, I, I am full team. And trade up. It's just, and that's awesome, wow. especially See, in this draft. But know, you also I, have to think about next draft also. Yeah. We keep focusing on this draft, but like next draft when you have Amani Bates and you have uh, Chet, whatever his last name is, super tall, basically good Poku. Uh, no offense, Poku. I bet Nick would be on my side in this one. I bet he would want more bites at the apple. See, I, 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 we I, talked about this I, I want bites at the apple, but I want bites at the the top five apples i think it depends well, I I think after that there's a there's you want a the good apples from. not like the you know i think if then you, would you I, would uh, if you apples. if you get four like you're saying call me are then i can maybe i can maybe talk myself into that just given presty and his background of being able to identify good lottery talent having four and nine yeah. You're probably going to get two really good players. All right, then and, would you pack would you and let's say in the scenario if the other pick is 10, uh would you trade your 10th pick with not Shay. Would you trade your 10th pick <laughs> with um Bays and Dort to get to like 5? Ugh, no. Mm. Too much. <laughs> yeah, probably See, I also have emotional attachments at this point. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> upset like the fans of our podcast and I'm, I'm not trying to say i don't like these guys but when we realistically look at this team like basically his, his ceiling what he'll realistically achieve is what a uh, an average starting wing in the in the league especially at pick number 24 he was pick number 24 right like if i can trade him to move up i'd do it right same thing with dort like I love Dort. I'm the guy that came up with Lutang Clan, right? Like, <laughs> I would give my soul to Dort. But if I can yeah. trade pick four and Lou to get up to number two, I'm going to get I'm, number four. Uh, I don't know. I'm talking 
12, I'm more 15, of a fan of baby. letting. I'm more of a fan of letting Bays go than I am of Lou. I would rather like, yeah, like, like They're for me, you, for me, you're untouchable. Like your, your untouchables is of course it's Shea. He's like, he's the guy, he's the anchor. He's the program for the next, you know, for the, however many years going forward, he's the guy. Um, the, and then like people like want to talk about this trio of youngsters, but really like, I feel like the only guy that's not touchable is Shea. And I think Great. Lou is semi untouchable. So basically both the yep. Canadian guys on the team, uh, and like the rest are just like, hey, you could be in a deal. I sure. I think Bays is definitely that. not on the chopping block or the trading block, but yeah. I do think Presty would 100% listen more than he would if it was a trade call for Shea or yes. uh, Ludor. That's, a, that's a fair definitely. Point. I agree. With and that. hey, before we move on from the talk of trading for a young big, a thought that I had that I just kind of want to throw out there. I'm I'm on record of I'm not a fan of drafting bigs, right? Because I think in, in the year 2021. Like a big man isn't a guy that you can give the ball to to go win you a game in the playoffs. It depends, but it, it depends though. Like right, because like there's there's superstar Embiid, bigs, but like those only those, those are so generational. Like Anthony Mobley Davis and stuff guy, like that. Right? They're like, generational that, talent. To take his point. I don't know if they're really or there's you just have, not that many bigs who can be that kind yeah. of player. You have AD. You have Jokic. You have Embiid. There's there's can't misses. There's that might be the only three in the league, right? And so the the game is more geared towards perimeter oriented players. So I'm I'm yeah. more of a fan of drafting those types of players. With that being said, I I like the idea of going out and trading for a young big man to be on this team. But when you look historically at the types of decisions Sam Presti makes and how he team builds, he wouldn't want to to trade for a big who is off their rookie deal because that player is no longer on a controllable contract, right? So you're looking at players that would be on rookie deals. Those players typically aren't up for trade. I actually did this exercise the other day. I went to the 2020 draft and I worked my way backwards four years to look at what bigs in the league are good uh, and might be available. When you look at the good ones, you know, you find guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. Awesome. Not getting moved, right? Memphis is not trading that guy. And so you're stuck with a very small amount of, of players that, that are realistic in that sense. And I think Mo Bamba definitely is one of them, right? He's a lottery-level pick that has flamed out on, on the team that he's currently with that would be a reclamation project uh, that could have high upside. Like That fits the Presti mold so much. I think Zach Collins also fits that mold. I actually have Mo Bamba's basketball reference page pulled up here right now. Um, his past, what is this, about 10 games, 9 minutes, 10 minutes, 23 minutes, 13, 7, 12, 2, 3, 6, yeah. and 1. Like, he's not even getting playing yeah. time anymore, right? Right, right. Like, if you could go throw, like, one of those future Miami picks, you know, throw a future Miami pick at at Orlando to get Mo Bamba. Like, I think that makes some sense for yeah. the Thunder. I don't know if Presti back in the day he used to want to draft bigs, right? Like his his goal the year he drafted James Harden was actually to move up and to get Hashim Tabit. Uh, thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> but he, he he's a yonks. fan of drafting bigs. But I wonder if that philosophy has changed up at this point now. That's a really good point. Um, I, 
the the other guy you know that that I've really been had had been thinking of here two three weeks ago, um, but unfortunately, I don't even know if I should say unfortunately, but I mean here within the last week, the Celtics have finally decided to invest in him, and we finally saw that like come to a um, come to fruition here tonight or today when the Celtics play the Pelicans. Robert Williams the third. That was a guy just kind of hidden on the Celtics bench that they kind of thought highly of, but they weren't going to completely trust. Um, that would have been perfect to play alongside Shay. He's actually a little undersized too. Yeah, I think he's like six eight or six nine. Yeah, if they were playing him at like some power forward slash center, him and Baines together earlier today. Um, but it seems like they're finally investing in him. So that was just another like target I had in mind. But I think the Celtics really like him or are going to invest it's, in yeah. him. There's when you really get down and you look at it and you realize that. Whoever Presti does trade for, he wants that person around five, six years from now to grow with this team, not for that player to be able to make the decision to it's walk. It's going to come through the draft. It's yep. it's a very small number of, of players. But, yep. okay, with all that being said, let's move on uh, to what has become my favorite segment of the podcast. <laughs> let's go to the tank meter. <laughs> You're a loser. And that means that the number one pick in the NBA draft goes to. Yes. I love it. Justin hasn't just heard, heard it yet. No, no. no yeah, you weren't here last that. week. Oh, man. You, you, you love the King of the Hill reference, don't you? <laughs> yes. So, so good. So, so, I love it. Loser. You're a loser. <laughs> I love it so much. The entire King of the Hill series, I believe, is on Hulu. Uh, so oh, yeah. if, you guys, oh, if you guys have Hulu, go check it out. I guess this just outed myself that I didn't listen to last week's pod. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say thanks a lot. Okay, Sorry, there were, I didn't have I didn't have electricity. You so. have a lot. say <laughs> you have a lot yeah. of excuses. Lot you could have of to the uncontested while you were trying to unclog your pipes. Not unclog. Unclogging your pipes. Justin's sounds. up there with a the space heater, just going like inch by inch on his uh his attic pipes. But I, I am go- I am <laughs> glad I am glad pipes. that you you're a, like enjoying some sense of normalcy now. But oh, like yes. I bet there are so many people in Texas that yeah, also true. It's just still it's still bad, you know. I know um, multiple people. I I have a good friend who's in a in a extended stay hotel right now because his house flooded. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's it's wild, awful. dog. Well, that's wild. the other scary part too. Is like even people who did have electricity or got water back is like once these warmer ten- temperatures yeah. came in and, and and you know deep all those those pipes that stuff started flooding and ugh. yeah, that, crazy. Our, our church flooded the entire building three inches oh of water. Gosh. It's probably going to be, they said nine months to a year before we're back in the building. Oh probably. my Ooh. gosh. It's crazy. Crazy. Uh, hey, uh, somebody from the, in the chat is from, uh, Aditha Poli, uh, is from Texas. Hey, well, you're, you're doing well. I hope you're dry and warm. Yes. Agreed. So, Justin, I'm going to start with you. The tank meter. Yes. Full means that the Thunder are full on tanking. Empty means they are pushing for the playoffs. Where do you place the tank meter? Oh my. Uh it's full. It's full. We've we've had a week, everyone. Um <laughs> the Thunder lost a lot of games. They beat the Cavs, but everyone beats the Cavs, like we just talked about. <laughs> and I yeah, lost a lot of games. A lot of games. Shea Gilgis Alexander's clearly holding back this franchise uh they can't they can't win with him can't win with him <laughs> clearly <laughs> well, obviously none of that's serious don't rip that audio out of context and use it <laughs> somebody uh, might rip the audio somebody all right probably will 
that weapon in Call of Duty that is like the big gun that can like shoot and blow up the tank. That's what Mike Muscala is. <laughs> have you seen? <laughs> have so you true. seen? Um, ever since the uh, bubble news, last year. Okay. Breaking news! Oh, yeah, breaking news! The yeah. Timberwolves have higher, or not higher? Oh, wow, fires. they just the reverse of liars. Oh man, they <laughs> hired Brian Saunders. So goodness, uh, that probably helps their tanking. I came probably. out nowhere. But he he wouldn't set Antoine uh, Antoine a- Anthony Edwards free. Hey, that dunk of the year, man. I had so, my reservations about Anthony Edwards. Um, and then yeah, when they, when they let him loose, I was like, okay, never mind. He's actually really good. This organization organization kind of just like held him back. So, oh Jeff, man. I, I cut you off there. Yeah. Um, Have you seen Naming's illustration, Jacob? Speaking of Mike Muscala blowing up oh. a tank. <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. pretty neat. May they post That's that cool. every single game when Muskie does something really good, and it's my favorite. That's, That's right. Exactly what you described to a T. Call me yeah. where do you place the tank meter at? I love her. Man, it's again, it's it's hard to talk about like tanking with this team because even when Shea is not on the court, as we've seen, they're still very competitive. Ooh. And they hustle, hustle, hustle their their butts off on defense as much as they can. And it keeps them in games and gets them going on like 10, 15 0 runs. And for some reason, Hamadou Diallo, like this is the style of basketball he's always wanted to play. Just run straight at the rim, 24 7, as hard as you can go. Um, and so there are a bunch of guys trying to go compete. There are a bunch of guys trying to get bigger contracts. There are a bunch of guys trying to stay in the NBA uh, and also learn. And so I'm going to put the tank meter, honestly, and it's going to probably stay this way for almost honestly like the, the most of the season, unless things get real bad. Um, or Shea misses like three weeks due to uh, clipping his finger, fingernails too short. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's always going to be at like 66% because like, I mean, yes, they should be tanking or they should be tanking because of the roster, but they're always just very competitive. Just like the Portland Trailblazers game. They were out of it, and all of a sudden they were back in it, and okay, so it was yeah. just a weird thing. Call me here. This is for you because you remind us before the podcast. We have to answer our guy Eku's question. So his question, I got you back, Eku. I, I love his. I, I, he always, or he or she, they always provide great, great uh, content here. Um, so I'm basically just going to read the, uh, and this was a Reddit post that he forwarded on to us and asked us to address on the podcast. I'm going to read the title and I'll read kind of his summary. Um, but his his title is Sam Presti isn't tanking. In his own words, they are repositioning, replenishing, and rebuilding. Um, obviously, from that o- the Oklahoma article that uh, editorial that Sam Presti put out here after trading away Russell Westbrook and Paul George uh, two I guess gosh almost two seasons ago. So basically, he's saying um, it really this whole situation is a wording issue. We are using the wrong words, aka tanking, to describe what OKC is actually doing. This is a year of development. We are repositioning, replenishing, and rebuilding, not tanking. I think my only counterpoint to Eku is that all of his points in that post are completely correct. What what the issue is, I think uh, the NBA fandom, uh, NBA Twitter kind of have a misconception of what tanking actually is. They instantly think of teams like the Sacramento Kings prior to this season, New York Knicks prior to this season, and the ultimate one is Hinkie's um, Sixers, right? And when we refer to tanking, us personally here at the Uncontested, we are not talking about like, you know, throw out 
um, your your five worst players, play them the whole entire game, and make sure you lose the game. You know, we obviously want player development. That's why we get so excited about games like tonight with Shea Gilds Alexander uh, flashes like Kendrick Williams. <laughs> you know, like he's and been a, and a bald, a bald basically so to this. But what what Prestigent did was he trade away Chris Paul, Stephen Adams. Um, he traded away all these Dennis Schroeder. He traded away these guys, not because he thought that was, you know, oh, we have all these picks now. We can go trade for Bradley Neal. That's not what this is. This he is it intentionally he's trying to lose while knowing guys like Shea and some of these other young guys are going to continue to step up. And that's why we're still winning basketball games. He doesn't want to just lose all these basketball games. He wants to see this growth. But when we refer to tanking, I think the the, the issue here is not the phrasing of tanking versus repositioning. It's it's what does tanking actually yeah. mean? I think yeah. it's also um, I, I think it's also semantics. Oh and we know Sam Presti. He is calculated about thing. He's never exactly. gonna say the word tanking. Of course not, mm-hmm. because he's he is so fanatical about setting the culture, and we see that through every facet of the Thunder organization. So yes, reposition, replenish, whatever reword you want to stick in there. I think what we're all aware of what's happening. You, they might not be intentionally trying to lose, but they're also not trying to win. They're not trying to build a winning roster. And that, or a that's what we're seeing. Playoff contender. They aren't Correct. trying to contend for the playoffs. But that, but that doesn't that doesn't introduce a losing culture. The exactly. Thunder will never have a losing culture. The Thunder will never have, you know, intentional lineup setting decisions of, like you said, Taylor, putting the worst five players out there. That's not that's not what the Thunder are going to do. But they are not trying to make the playoffs. They're not trying to win a championship. They're trying to develop young guys and they're trying to acquire assets as many as possible in order to get the best draft asset available. And that, that's the next superstar. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the discussion and it's Twitter, I get it. Twitter is for dramatics and hyperbole and black and white. And that's just not what this is, (laughs) you know, like I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of the discussion is two people talking past each other, which defines most of our society, oh, wow. not to get too okay. philosophical, but I think More that I think we're all news. talking about the same thing. Oh. We're just using so the, different words. So the Timberwolves just quickly, this is from Shams, uh, Sharanio, the athletic, the Timberwolves are hiring Toronto, Toronto Raptors assistant coach, Chris Flinch, or sorry, Chris Finch as a new head coach. On a <laughs> Can't contract. even read it. Can't oh, even don't read it. Taylor read the don't breaking read. right there. Hey, Kamiar, do you have any thoughts on on Eku's post and the, the idea of tanking in general? Man. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have okay. some. Um, and, you go, you go I, for it. You go for it. You sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hip-hopity over here. Get on your soapbox. I'm, I'm chilling. I, I, Justin, I think you hit the nail on the head it is essentially where I'm at. Gee, you 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 can you can dress it up with whatever fancy words you want. At the end of the day, what the Thunder are trying to do is make their draft stock as best as possible, so they can get players that will be on this team for the next nine to ten years, uh, high level players that they can develop and can turn into stars, superstars that can lead them back to Western Conference Finals and NBA Finals. And then go play for the Nets like five years later. You can call it replenishing. You can call it uh, (laughs) repositioning, whatever. Like, like you said, Sam Presti isn't going to use the word tanking. And this idea that, that losing games is going to build a bad culture. uh, I'm sorry. It's just complete and utter bullshit. 
Um, the fact that, you know, uh, oh, they're not going to intentionally lose. Nobody intentionally tries to lose. Like if you are intentionally trying to lose, you are inherently not doing your job and you are going to get fired. Shea go just uh, Alexander isn't going out there. Coach Mark Dagnall isn't going out there and saying, hey, guys, you know what we should do? Let's lose a game. Like that shit's not happening. <laughs> right. I don't What's know. Do you see how many are... Diallo do that thing? <laughs> Air balls are shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh oh no no the other that that the other thing too but yeah it should be they're 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 trying to develop players develop yeah. young players and what happens when you do that is you lose games and that yep. is not a bad thing you're not building a negative culture by doing that and anybody who wants to argue that um really doesn't know what the hell they're talking about right yeah you can point to the Knicks or the Sacramento Kings Jacob's for an example fired up. Those are teams that have really shitty front offices and horrible right. ownership, right? And I think that's where I think that's where some of the bad connotation comes in is the teams yes. that are not good at this. There's yep. so many teams that try this and fail, and so Sacramento been... isn't tanking. Sacramento just flat out fucking sucks. <laughs> exactly. The Knicks yeah. are tanking. The t- Knicks are just a shitty basketball team. Exactly. People just don't, but people don't understand context. People actually. <laughs> People don't care about context at all, and it blows my mind because people now, just assume, listen, like, oh, okay, see, please. you know, the Thunder got here, and all of a sudden they just started winning a lot of games, and like without understanding what all happened in Seattle, um, why the stuff in Seattle fell through, regardless if it was stolen or not. <laughs> but they suffered just like the those- election. Those shut up. That's not funny. They, they, they God, you got chill. You got chill. Uh, they, Seattle Supersonics tanked. Russell Westbrook wore a Seattle, he, he had a Seattle jersey on the ball that he was drafted in. Uh, Kevin Durant was played. Kevin Durant yeah. was a shooting guard under PG Carlissimo, and they were just god awful. And, you but, know what? okay, Steve fans don't remember that. They remember you know one what? year of Thunder Same. U. And then all the great years in like the, mm-hmm. the what the process of what Oklahoma's success from 2010 OKC success from 2010 to basically last year was a was basically just the whole equation of what the massive tanking did for OKC. So like people, I'm it's just like ridiculous. How can you not understand no, spatial and time you know what? awareness? Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden lost a lot of games and got top draft picks. And did that affect the type of player they came out because it was a losing culture? Remember when no. OKC all got no, hurt? No, not at all. They when OKC all got hurt and they had a lot of talent and they got in the top fourteen in the lotto and they drafted campaign. Hey, Good don't times. remind me. Okay, so hey, hang on. Good. One thing though. You know what Sam Presti's first act was as general manager of this franchise? Three weeks after he was named GM of the Seattle Supersonics, he traded Ray Allen. There like, we go. Hey, Sam Presti does the does first thing he did. The first thing he did. Exactly. He came and traded Ray Allen, and everyone was kind of like, oh, okay, like this is happening. And I think that's that's what happened here. It's PG, well, San it's Russ, Antonio, it's Steven needs Adams, it's Chris like Paul, it's Dennis Schroeder. It's the same thing happening again. 100%. In a different way. It's and interesting again, that KD and Russ from... lost a lot of games, and that losing yeah. culture didn't bother them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. One There's... more thing, I promise. One more thing. <laughs> okay. One more yeah. thing. It's really interesting because Sam Presti comes from the Spurs tree with R.C. Buford and all those guys, and they really, really know how to win titles and put rosters together, specifically in small markets. 
And it's interesting to me that we've seen how San Antonio's built their stuff up. And it's interesting to me to see okay, he's built their stuff up. But now San Antonio is clearly in a position that they need to rebuild and trade away DeRozan and Marcus Aldridge and get this thing going. Um, and they don't have anybody to do it. So they themselves need to like look in the, the mirror uh, fr- from their franchise's point of view. Agreed. All right. That's enough getting mad. Let's uh let's do some around the association before we get out of here. I don't even know where you're sitting at. All right, I know our podcast's already going a little bit long, so we will try to make this as quick as possible. Um, I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I think I'm supposed to say title of my sex tape after that. Um, <laughs> it's a good we're gonna, reference. We're going to play <laughs> overachieving or underachieving, where I'm going to give you guys the, the name of, of a team. <laughs> I don't like talking about this I at all. I, I hate this, all of it. I'm going to give you guys the name of an NBA team. You're going to tell me, are they overachieving this season or underachieving this season? And or, be- before we start, is it based upon what our expectations were of them going into the season? Yes. Or is okay. That's okay. That's it. Yes. Perfect. So I'm going to throw out a team. You guys tell me, are they overachieving this season from what we thought they would be? Are they underachieving or are they just achieving? achieving? Are they just <laughs> middle of the road where we thought they would be? First team up. The Phoenix Suns. This one's so tough because we all like we're so biased because of Chris Paul going there. I know, and I like I had a hot take preseason that they were going to have home court advantage in the playoffs. So I'm like, I have to say they're achieving, even though they're kind of overachieving. So I have to go just with achieving. In the betting world, they would call that even. They would call that even in the betting world. It's a push. It's a push. Yeah, it's a push. But uh, you know, I think they're overachieving. I mean. I really liked uh, because we all said it like the West is stupid stacked. Like there, like there's only realistically like you have your you have your top guys, you know, with the uh, Lakers, Clips, and uh, Utah Jazz, Utah, and then you have like a tier below of like guys that are barely a couple games above 500, but are still really damn good teams like Denver. Um, and so, like I look at who's in the West and who is who's playing in the West. And uh, you got to say they're overachieving to be at, in f- at fourth. Um, I think Chris Paul's done wonders. I think Devin it's made Devin Booker's life so much easier. I like the Bridges, uh, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, they're bringing back the big man. The like uh, NBA's big man is actually coming back, which might be a thing to draft Kaminga or Mobley more over than Kate Cunningham if you only get one shot at it. Um, and uh, so no, I, I really like what they're doing. Jay Crowder is going to be an excellent piece for them when they go to the playoffs. Justin, you agree with all that? I agree with all that. All right, Justin, you start us off on the next one then. Mm, Yes, please. The Atlanta Hawks. Yes. Okay. If you listen to the the biased NBA media, then you'll say the Hawks are fake news. But if you listen to us, you'll know the Hawks (laughs) are achieving exactly like we thought they would. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why you don't cut your rebuild short. Atlanta yeah. Hawks were going yep. through a rebuild and they not uh, a tank. 
a they did not they did not wait for their reposition to fully replenish before they <laughs> whatever <laughs> it's analogy I feel like you're just apart. you're just they... putting in hot hot keywords <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sam Presti would never they use the word wait. tank. By the way, his lexicon yeah, is too advanced for that. This is true. Ten I mean, not not enough letters. Not enough letters in that word. <laughs> Atlanta cut it short. They got too yeah. antsy. They needed another good draft asset. They didn't need Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari. Yeah. Imagine great. if they drafted uh, an, an Evan Immobile right? this year. Exactly. Yeah. Like we said it last summer. Or whenever the offseason was last year. <laughs> what does Gallo do for them? He yep. doesn't make them a contender. He might not even move them much farther. They're, they're game and a half out of eighth. I think that's kind of right where we thought they'd be in that range. Gallo doesn't do it. It's not enough. They should have been more yeah. patient. Especially Gallo, with the type Rondo. of game they play, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You hit the nail on the head, Justin. Good job. But Gallo was great in OKC, but the way they play yes, ball was. down in Atlanta, they, it, it, won't, it doesn't work for him. Uh huh. Next one. Uh, call me on. We're going to start with you on this one. The Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers are currently uh, fifth in the West at 18 and 11. I mean, I would say again, overachieving. I mean, Yo- uh, not Jokic, uh, the other one. Nurk, Nurkic, Nurkic, <laughs> uh, Nurk's the been other out. one. Nurk has been out, right? And, and CJ, in in CJ, and they're still finding ways to win. Uh, albeit, you know, OKC beat them once, and probably got close to beating them a second time with not that many players. But um, I say overachieving. Carmelo Anthony's having a nice, I guess, basically like vacation home kind of old folks home like basketball career as he kind of like drifts away in Portland. I think that'll be his last stop in the NBA for being honest. Yeah. Uh, besides like the, Oh, I'll sign to be a Nick for a day, you know, for those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I think they're, oh, they're overachieving. I think they're doing a great job uh, with, despite all the pieces that they don't have with them, they just continue to win. Um, Anthony Simons is good, has been very good for them. Um, and a lot of other dudes that I really, really like Rocco is not as, and I, I bought into the Robert Covington hype. And um, I can't remember who said it. They're like, it's not a big, as big a deal as people are making it out to see me. He's uh, been all over this. Kevin yeah. Connor, I think the ringer, he, just yeah. That all totally, over it. Said totally the defense wasn't it. going to be good enough. And he nailed it. Now yeah. with all Panthers that being said, killing the rebound game, they're fit. Yes. And they're fifth in the West right now, uh, 18, 11, right under the suns and the Clippers. Now the Clippers have played more games. So that's kind of why um, there's that, uh, that gap there. But uh you have the Suns with uh, Suns and Clippers with ten losses, Blazers with eleven in fifth place. Um, and you think about all the injuries that Connor mentioned. You know, you have Nurkic, you have um, CJ. Obviously, are the big ones. Rodney Hood's been in and out of the lineup. You've had a couple others in and out of the lineup. Basically, Damian Lillard's MVP caliber like season thus far has kept this team afloat. And the fact that so if everybody's healthy, and I look at the, these standings right now, I'm thinking, okay, they're they're right where they should be. This is where I predicted them to be preseason. Um, but they probably are overachieving to Colmier's point just based off of the injuries. Uh, but if everybody's healthy, like this is kind of where I expect them to be. I think the Mello's biggest thing right here defense is defense now. Yes, Mello and it's <laughs> the, the role guy stepping up alongside Dame, who is just scorching earth right now. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. We want to burn through these last two fairly quickly so we can get out of here. 
Uh, Taylor, we'll start with you on this next one. Philadelphia 76ers, overachieving or underachieving? The 76ers are slightly overachieving just because they're first in the East. Um, you have the Nets and the Bucks right behind them. The Pacers, surprisingly enough, that's a punting that we can talk about. But uh, I'm saying slightly overachieving just based off the standings. Um, and they've been playing really, really well together, better than I thought. Uh, I would ex- expect them to be after at least the Nets and the Bucks at this point this season but they're leading the East. So I have to say overachieving just by a little bit. I love Doc Rivers. I love Joel Embiid achieving, overachieving. Joel yep. Embiid might currently be the MVP of the league. Yes, absolutely. He's been very good. Very yep. good. God, 50 and 17 against the Bulls the other night is just absurd. I need, him to, I need him to stay healthy, but they've been yeah. very yes, good. I very hope fun so. to watch yep. them. Yep. Um, a team we've already brought up on this podcast once, so let's do it again. Justin, I'm coming to you for the last one. The San Antonio Spurs, who are sixth in the West right now at 16 and 11. The Spurs are in basketball purgatory. Um, Agreed. I, think, I guess they're just waiting they're, for, for, uh, for Pop to retire. Like, at this I don't, point. they're not overachieving. They're not underachieving. They're not achieving. They're just, <laughs> they're just kind of there. They're just and the I, Spurs. <laughs> you think like, they're trying to make a playoff run for right, Pop's last season? That, I guess at some point, at some point you got to pull the pin out and let that yeah, thing Cause like any up. rational person that looks at, from it, from the outside in, like can see like this team needs to be gone or at they least have a lot of Marcus issues. Aldridge. And yeah, they have like the, the, a lot of these things can be just like dealt with like Sam Presti did and build around like Keldon Johnson and Lonnie Walker and no, DeJounte Murray really and whoever else. Too. Yeah. There's a lot of good youth out there, but you're still hinged to a guy that never developed his jump shot past the mid-range and it cost him an NBA title. Um, and Lamar, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, who wanted to be a Portland Trailblazer for forever, they still carry a lot of value on the market. And I think teams like LA or whoever else in the East would be so happy to have one of those two guys. And I, I, like you said, you never want to be caught in basketball purgatory, right? You either want to be at the top or at the bottom, and they're just kind of like riding that middle ground. I and I think it's Until bad Pop for retires. the. I think it's bad for the I franchise. It. It's it's a yeah. it's a it's a small market team, just like OKC, and the, you have to make the, these these cuts quicker. You can't chain yourself to like like like. Uh, Maybe very, Bradley Beal wouldn't come here. Yeah, in three. You years, just like. you just can't chain yourself to. <laughs> a player or a or, or this this idea of winning a title for too long like it's just like it's it's an illusion so but yeah, i think it, at some point yeah i think it's yep. a pop thing i think it's a pop thing yeah. yeah very good i'll buy that all right those are the only teams i had for overachieving or underachieving we've we've gone kind of long in this podcast too so i think it's it's a good time to hang it up although as we start to pump the outro music and we get out of here i got to say Kamiar, you are well known for your uh, your crazy Zion comparison, just the fat Julius Randle. Uh, well, Julius has been balling. Yes, he has. Jared yeah. White of The Athletic, I think, has one-upped you. He says Zion is just Blastoise with handles. <laughs> I love it. Blast, Blastoise with handles. handles. That is Man, beautiful. It's, like, he, Zion it's looks really incredible. good tonight. For hey, guys, if, if you joined us on the live stream tonight, thank you so much. <laughs> Shout out to Justin Rowan of the Chase Down Podcast, the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers for coming on for our post-game segment. We appreciate him. So go check out the Chase Down Pod if you have not already. 
If you listen to the podcast version of this recording, hey, we appreciate you. If you haven't already, go drop a five-star rating on Apple. Uh, that would mean a lot to us. Helps us rise. Those podcast ranks makes us seen by more people. Let's more people listen to us and uh, hear our absurd takes. So that is greatly, greatly appreciated. You guys have a great start of your week. It's actually warming up here in Oklahoma. So uh, shout out. If you're down in Texas struggling with flooding issues like we talked about earlier, thoughts out to you guys. Hope everything is all right. We'll be back with you again in about 24 hours after the Thunder take on the Miami Heat. It's a, uh, it's a big game for Team Tank as the Thunder control both of those picks. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. Nick will be with you after that one. We will talk to you then. Until then, have a great beginning of your week. Stay safe, stay healthy. And as always, Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.